Why do we ignore warnings? Because sometimes we don't believe they're real. We've gotten used to tuning them out. But what if they are? A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. The book of Hebrews has five warnings in it. Today, we're going to just look at part of the second one. In chapter three, starting at verse 12, it says, My friends, watch out. Don't let evil thoughts or doubts make any of you turn from the living God. You must encourage one another each day. And you must keep on while there is still a time that can be called today. If you don't, then sin may fool some of you and make you hard-hearted. We were sure about Christ when we first became his people. So let's hold tightly to our faith until the end. What's our tendency when we hear a warning? Sometimes we roll our eyes. And honestly, it's not entirely our fault because let's face it, we are surrounded by some pretty ridiculous warnings. I remember when we bought our first stroller, I read on the warning label, remove baby before folding. Now, granted, as a new mom, there were certainly lots of things I had to learn and lots of things I should be warned about, but that was not one of them. Our dishwasher came with a sign on it that said, do not allow children to play inside. We hear medicine ads on TV all the time. If you're allergic to Cronelica, do not take Cronelica. Seriously? How can we not just figure that one out by ourselves? I bought a new hairdryer the other day, and before I even removed it from its packaging, I was being warned this was not a twofer. I was not getting something with my dryer. I was told that the plastic bag that my dryer came inside was indeed not a toy. They further warned me to keep this not-a-toy plastic bag away from all babies and children, which I totally get and I totally will. Then just in case I wasn't sure where these babies and children might be located, they went further and warned me never to use this plastic bag in a crib or a playpen or a carriage or a bed. Oh my gosh, I get it. I threw it away. And then as I took out my hair dryer, I was warned, do not use while sleeping. Do not use while bathing. Do not leave this by the toilet. I was warned to unplug it and then was shown with an intense picture an additional admonition. It said, warn children of the dangers of electric shocks. Finally, I was told there were some chemicals on this item that had been found to cause cancer in California. So I was warned to be sure to wash my hands when I was done using it. But thankfully for me, I live in Minnesota, but... Whatever. Speaking of Minnesota, on cold days, who isn't grabbing a hot coffee to go, right? Have you ever read the coffee sleeves? Caution, hot. Yep, many of us are aware of the litigious environment surrounding hot beverages and drive throughs But this sleeve added one more warning. It said, avoid pouring on crotch area. Pardon me. <laughs> but seriously, do we need to be told that? I rolled my eyes and thought about how ridiculous this warning was. And then I remembered that day at the bank. Earlier in the day, I'd gone through the drive-thru at my bank to cash a check. I did what everyone does. I signed the back, I stuck it in the tube, and I sent it on its way. 
Shortly after, I did what everyone else does too. I took the cash out, I put it in my purse, and I drove away. I did some shopping that day. I did some eating. I went back home for a while. And then I got back into my town and country Greenwoody van to pick up the kids from school. As I sat in the driver's seat and went to throw my purse on the front seat, I looked over and I saw something that looked familiar, but it seemed like it didn't belong there. I'm like, wait, something's on that seat. What is that thing? And what is it doing there? It was kind of the same way you feel like when you're a little kid and you see your teacher at like a grocery store. It's like, whoa, they let her out. She looks familiar, but I've never seen her here before. And that's kind of what I thought when I looked over at the passenger seat and I saw the bank tube still sitting there. Ah, shoot. Well, anyway, I was running late to pick up my kids and I thought I don't have time to go to the bank first. So I'll pick up my kids throw them in the car, and then they get to be with me when I go rectify this problem that I've created. So got to the school, kids get in the van, they start chatting about their day, it sounded like fun. I told them we were gonna run to the bank quickly so I could return the tube. Oh, look, I accidentally kept this day. I showed them the canister with the blue rings on each end of it. I turned in the bank parking lot and remembered which lane I was in earlier. So of course, it's the only one that had a car in it right then, but I got behind that car and put it in park and started to wait. Other cars came in behind me, inched past me, giving me an odd look, like why would you not go to the open teller? But whatever, they drove into the empty lanes on either side of me, but I just stayed put. I felt like, you know, I should probably return this tube from where I got it. Finally, the guy in front of me was finished with his business, so I inched forward to take care of mine. I inched up, pushed the teller call button, and as I waited uh, to be greeted, I noticed there was a clear tube in the slot where my tube originally had been. This new tube had two strips of paper taped down to the sides of it with the word blue written on it with a blue marker. I started feeling badly about the trouble I had obviously caused them during the day. And I started wondering how long it took them before they noticed it was missing. Then I wondered, do they have these tubes ready to go just in case? Has this ever happened before? I wonder how often this happens. And then I was interrupted. My thoughts were interrupted. And I hear, can I help you? By the teller. I was grateful to tell her that actually I didn't need any help at all. But I was actually there to help her. I said, no, but I think I can help you. I apologize for accidentally driving away with a blue tube earlier. I explained, it's weird, I didn't even notice it the whole day on my passenger seat. Isn't that weird? Yep, I went shopping and everything. And then when I went to get back in my car just a little bit ago to pick up my kids from school, I noticed it and I was going on and on so much, I was bothering myself. So I can only assume she was equally irritated. Anyway, eventually I came to the part in my story that called for me to hold up the original blue tube high enough for her to see it from where she sat. I asked her, so then what would you like me to do with this? She said, Just hit send so the tube that's there can be returned. Wait a few seconds, then replace it with yours. Okay, cool. Easy enough. I hit send. I counted off a few seconds, then set the original blue tube in its place. But it didn't stay there. It too immediately was sucked up into the tube system thing or whatever you call it. And I panicked. I mistakenly envisioned 
And I know since then I've been explained how this all works, but at that time I mistakenly envisioned my teller, whom I already irritated with too much information, reaching for the replacement tube with the word blue written on it. And before she could get her hand out of the way, the original blue tube was going to come in and smash her hand, already making kind of the irritated teller really irritated and perhaps injuring her. And I thought, I've got to fix this. I didn't have time to think. So I did the next best thing. I yelled. I yelled at the top of my lungs so that she could hear me past the three banking lanes that separated us and the big bulletproof glass window. I yelled, look out, as loud as I could. To this day, I don't know if she actually heard me, but I do know the lady in the car next to me did. She screamed. She covered her head with her arms and buried her face in her steering wheel. I also know that the people who had been walking into the bank heard me too. They spun away with their backs to the door and ran away away as fast as they could. Whoops. I looked in the rearview mirror and saw my kids just wide-eyed. One of them saying, what happened? I just said, whoops, well, that was a close one. And then we drove off. This is not the type of warning we find in scripture. When we're warned about something in God's word, it's serious. It means something. It's worth paying attention to. Our attitude toward these warnings should not be one where we roll our eyes and think whatever. Instead, we need to read them like we would the pepper spray warning. Have you seen that? It says this, pepper spray may irritate eyes. You think? I hope so. Isn't that why I'm buying it? Sounds more like a guarantee than a warning. Exactly. That's what's happening in Hebrews 3. The writer of the book of Hebrews is warning the people that their faith should be evidenced in their lives. Pepper spray may irritate eyes. The writer of Hebrews says faith may affect your life. It's a warning and it's a guarantee. Let's look back at Hebrews 3.12 again where it says, My friends, watch out. Here's the warning. Watch out. Beware. Pay attention to. And then it says this, don't let evil thoughts or doubts make any of you turn from the living God. These evil thoughts, what does he mean? It's not evil like you're the devil evil, but don't let evil thoughts, bad, blinded, misdirected, wrong thoughts or doubts. Oh man, I wonder if God is good or not. I'm going through a hard times. I wonder if Jesus is who he said he was because things are happening in my life that I wasn't expecting. I'm going through a struggle. I'm going through something intense. I'm going through something that I need to endure. This is a hardship. I don't know if I should follow after God anymore. I don't know if this is a sign that maybe I believed wrongly. And the writer of the Hebrews says here, and he goes on and says it again and again and again and again throughout this whole book. In fact, in Hebrews 12, he says, you know what? We should expect hardships and trials. As followers of God, we should expect that that's something that's going to happen. And then we should endure them. And while we're enduring them, we should continue to focus our eyes on Jesus. Don't let evil thoughts or doubts make you turn away from the living God. Instead, endure. Keep on. Don't panic and run. John 17, Jesus prayed for his followers to know that they would go through hard times and he prayed that they would feel his presence during that time. So what do we do instead if we're to heed this morning? The writer goes on, he says, you must encourage one another each day and you must keep on doing this while there is still a time that can be called today. So all the time. If you don't, then sin may fool some of you and make you stubborn. 
We need to bring encouragement in the hard times. How do we do this? We talk about God's goodness every day, as long as there's still time that can be called today. When do we stop encouraging each other? When that time runs out. But like, how really do we do this? How do we encourage? How do we comfort each other when we're going through tough times? How do we heed this warning that says, watch out? Have you seen God comfort you in a difficult time? Encourage somebody else. They might be going through exactly the same sort of thing that you have. Have you seen God provide for you when you thought all hope was lost? Encourage somebody else who might be struggling with that even right now. Have you ever found out that what God promised in his word was true? When did that happen? Who can you tell about that? If we don't keep encouraging each other, what might happen? Here's the warning. Some might be fooled by sin. What? What does that mean? How does sin fool us? What sin? Turning away from God, living for self, living for whatever. That sin could make you stubborn. Some versions read, hard-hearted, cold towards God. Verse 14 offers an encouragement too. It says, we were sure about Christ when we first became his people. So let's hold tightly to our faith until the end. When these people first placed their faith and trust in Christ, they knew that this was a fact and that this was true. But then they started to go undergo subsequent persecution. And they started to wonder, oh, was this right? Like, well, I knew it was right before. Oh, I can't doubt now. This writer's encouraging them, warning them, hold tightly to your faith until the end. Let's hold on. We were sure before. Let's still be sure. Let's not give up because it's difficult. Let's not listen to the people who say, true followers of Jesus do not experience hardships. You're obviously doing something wrong. People were saying that then, and people say that sometimes today too, don't they? Yeah, if you have exactly the right amount of faith and believe exactly the way that you should, there should not be hard times in your life. If there is a hard time in your life, hmm, that's evidence that you might not be believing quite enough. There are books upon books upon books that are sold that sell that message, which is false. It's false because here's what we know. When we look at scripture, do we see that to be true? No. What do we see? We see the writer of Hebrews saying there's going to be hard times. Look at Jesus. He had hard times. And if you're a follower of him, would it not follow that you might experience them too? Instead, don't give up. Hold tightly to your faith until the end. Don't believe it. The world is going to have trouble for each one of us. But this is what we know. We can hold tightly to our faith in the one who's overcome the world. We need to endure. How do we do this? We pray. We need to hold on to the fact that while God is always working a good story out in our lives, we are not guaranteed that only good things will happen to us. We need to cling to the truth of God's word. May I suggest reading Psalm 95? You might think, well, why that one? Because the writer of the Hebrews quotes from that next. In verse 15, it says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts like Israel did. Warning, warning, don't be like them. Remember them? They would hear what God would say and immediately they would doubt. Uh, I wish I was back in Egypt. At least I had good food. Immediately they doubted when God was leading them and directing him. Don't do what they did. Warning instead, when God speaks, listen, follow, hold tightly to your faith. But for how long? How long does this happen? We do this until our faith becomes sight. We've seen God fulfill promises before. Let's believe he'll do it again. We've seen God at work in our own hearts and minds. Let's believe that he's still at work. And someday, even though 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says that right now we walk by faith and not by sight, Someday we know we absolutely will see him face to face and we will know that all we've endured will be worth it. While we wait in the meantime, let's encourage each other to hold tightly to our faith to the end. We've been warned, our faith 
should impact our lives. Let's make sure that it does. 